Welcome to American Patchwork and Quilting Radio, your one stop for creative inspiration. We have a terrific hour of ideas and tips for you today, so let's get to it. Here's your host, Pat Sloan. Welcome to American Patchwork and Quilting's talk show. I am Pat Sloan, and I don't know whether this is an old-fashioned word or not, but to use the word smitten, I mean, that's the way, that's the word that comes to mind, because I um, had been at market, and I saw this absolutely adorable darling booth and one of the main quilts in it was called winter wonderland and the designer behind all of this adorable product in the booth was tasha noel and so i just had to contact her and we're going to be so lucky to learn about her artwork uh today so hi tasha hi pat how are you I am great. I am great. Uh, so, you know, what I want to do is I want to find out a little bit about your sort of artistic background. Did you, you know, have did you always draw? I have been drawing my whole life. I was doodling constantly when I was younger, and I had taken one art class when I was a little girl, and um, it was more official and then I just threw my whole life (laughs) official art class it was actually a class yeah (laughs) well you know I just I I like all your little drawings the little mushrooms the little birds the little people um just everything it's like oh you just I just want to like keep looking at all the little parts that you draw um did when when you started out as a kid did you have a favorite image you draw you drew Oh, gosh. I definitely, little girls, people, families, flowers, houses, <laughs> all the time. I I drew all the time with my sisters, and my mom and dad just laugh now, actually, because it doesn't surprise them one bit what I'm drawing, because that's exactly what they said they saw all over the walls in our house when I was a little girl, was <laughs> just little people and drawings everywhere, so... It just kind of evolved, and it kept going and evolved from there. So when did you get interested in fabric? Did you sew clothing as, in high school or anything? Um, I, I did take a sewing class in high school, or actually it was junior high, the home ec class, and I did um, sew an outfit for my littlest sister, um, and then, you know, my mom it was a quilter and a sewer. She made, was always making something my whole life. Quilts, mm-hmm. pillows, dolls, um, all of our dresses. She made my wedding dress. She just was always sewing. And, you know, we did some of that with her. She taught us cross-stitching and, you know, little ornaments for the trees. And so I grew up around that. And so it was just kind of a natural um, interest I had and just kind of a natural progression of mine as I, you know, I didn't sew a lot like as a teenager or, you know, my young adult years, but as soon as I got married, um, Mm -hmm. I definitely wanted to, you know, put window valances on the windows and make that first (laughs) quilt for my first baby. And that's when we got, I got my first sewing machine was was when I was pregnant and wanted to make a quilt. And so all of that was just very normal and kind of a natural desire that I had. 
Yeah, it, it is. Um, I, I, I must say, like so many people, they just want to make for babies and children because yeah. it's a lot of fun and they're small, you know, projects too. Yeah. So yeah, yeah. <laughs> and you could personalize yep. them. That, so when you yep. were, you know, when did you think to yourself, you know, I'm doing all this doodling and I've got these designs and I'm using this fabric now for quilts. And, you know, when did you think that you might be able to marry your artwork to fabric that quilters would want? Yeah, you know, that happened when I think just so much online stuff started and I was quilting online and, you know, had sewing friends online and we'd share pictures what we were making and I was also getting back into my drawing at the same time. Mm-hmm. And um, I opened my a little Etsy shop called A Little Sweetness um, on Etsy and then I was I was drawing and selling embroidery patterns and my illustrations and at the same time also sewing and, you know, making blankets to sell. And I heard of the company Spoonflower, which ah. was, yeah, they're online. Basically, you anyone can upload anything to Spoonflower, mm-hmm. any design, and and they'll print that for you and ship it. And so I kind of... That's how I started experimenting with that, and so I would just upload my design, um, and then they would ship it to me, and I sold my fabric on in my Etsy shop. So oh. that's kind of how, yeah, and I, I did that for probably, I want to say a year and a half before mm-hmm. I thought, well, maybe I should, you know, I had had a few people say to me, you should you should submit your stuff to some of the fabric companies. And I was like, okay, like, <laughs> do I want to do that? Or right, right. I, is that more they, work? Somebody <laughs> take me? Like, yeah. Like, wait, is this what I'm, you know, okay. Like, would I be able to do that? You know, mm-hmm. it was kind of like an aha moment, almost like, oh, like, I didn't really think of that, you know, mm-hmm. because I really was just starting and experimenting and learning how to do that. Like, on my own through Spoonflower, mm-hmm. you know, so that's kind of how that started for me. Yeah, and your fabrics was Wiley Blake. Yep, yep, and, they uh... were, <laughs> yeah, they're awesome. Love, love working with them. They're definitely a, a good fit for me, so I couldn't be happier with being with them. So tell me a little bit, um, I want to just get a little peek into how you put together a fabric line. Just, I mean, how do you start? Is it mood boards? Is it sketches? Is it a theme? Um, you know, it probably is a little bit of both, you know. I mean, sometimes it might be a, a theme idea that I have in my head, and so I start sketching with that theme in mind or it's also been the other way where it's like, oh, you know, I like these sketches. What could I create off of this? So mm-hmm. definitely either way. And then that's generally like always starting on paper and to get that, to get that theme and that um, story for me going with my fabric and kind of where it's heading is generally starting on paper. And then I take that and I, I scan those images into the computer and mm-hmm. um, color all those things in. I, I work with Photoshop. Okay. So I do all my coloring in Photoshop, and then, I, you know, I use my uh, Wacom tablet and my pen to 
to clean everything up and um, draw anything else. I'll do some drawing in, um, on the computer as well. And then, um, then yeah, off that's it how goes. I get my food going. <laughs> yes, and off it goes. Exactly. <laughs> So, you know, you're when most of us who design quilting fabrics, uh, we also design patterns to go with it. How have you really enjoyed that part of the whole package of designing for the quilt industry? Yeah, I have. You know, at first it just wasn't even something that I wasn't even there yet. You know, with my Mm -hmm. first couple of lines, it was like, Oh, okay. Like, is this, you know, I've just been learning right. so much as I've gone, you know, just completely new to the whole industry and just, um, yeah, at first it was just not even on my, in my mind. And now it's like, as I'm going, I'm just constantly thinking of, oh, what could I do with this line, you know? And mm-hmm. I've definitely, you know, again, it's a learning curve for me. And, um, so it's been a little bit slow to start, but I'm really enjoying it. And, you know, I love thinking of things that go with the line. You know, that that is really fun. So because I'm you have that. you have patchwork patterns and you have um, embroideries that you like incorporate patchwork around them. the The winter wonderland though is so cute with the snow globes and um, the little images inside Thanks. the snow globes. I was just, and your Thanks. booth was so fantastic that had that. I'm like, oh, I want to just take the whole booth home and Thanks. put it in my living room. It was really fun. <laughs> Thank you. It was a lot of work and really fun and kind of crazy, but it was, it was fun and worth it. So yeah, with so the what, winter wonderland pattern, it's like, I get like an idea in my head, you know, and it's like, mm-hmm. well, I know this is probably way over my head to even like t- tackle this project, but you know, I, I do kind of think about the details, you know, I think maybe just the way I draw and the way I create, it's like had to be like the most complicated thing for one of my, you know, first patterns. So, but it was fun what though. Part, what part of the process, we have about two minutes, Tasha, what part of the process is your favorite for the quilt making? The quilt making, you know, mm-hmm. I, I do love all the parts, you know, um, but I do get excited when it's time to do the free motion quilting. It's just, I don't know if it's just kind of the end thing or if it's just that, I don't know, something about the the quilting that I love. Even though I am definitely not, I am definitely not an expert and I have some scary looking <laughs> quilts in the beginning to prove it, you know, but I'm I love doing it, and I I have gotten better and better as I go. I would just definitely say to anybody, like, just keep trying, and don't be hard on yourself. It's like if it doesn't look perfect, like, just keep going, because the only way you're really going to get better is just to keep doing it, even though it's kind of scary at the same time. Mm -hmm. You know, it's just it's worth it in the end to just keep practicing and just keep doing it. That's what I've gotten a little, I've gotten better from just doing that. Well, that's very true. I mean, you have to practice um, the quilting part. I mean, all the different parts, but some of it just comes quicker than other than other techniques that we go after. So what is um, your fabric line that people can find in the stores right now? Okay, so well, Pixie Noel is probably what's kind of still lingering. And then, Mm -hmm. um, you know, I think it's kind of some of the pieces are getting harder to Right. To find, you know, and 
you know, some of them so, Riley Blake isn't isn't selling anymore. But but um, I do have a new line that will be coming out in July. So that would be okay. the next thing that people can buy of mine. Super. You know, Tasha, we're out yeah. of time. And I'm going to tell everybody okay. to visit you at Instagram because that's where you do most of your yep. postings. Yes. Yeah, so it's yes. Tasha Noel one. You have to put the one at the yep. end on, on Instagram. Yep. So this has been great. Thank you so much. Yeah. Thank you so much for having me. I loved talking with you. Thank you. We will be right back, everybody, in a minute. Okay. Choose from more than 100 of your favorite patterns from American Patchwork and Quilting, Quilts and More, and Quilt Sampler, all available online. Buy downloadable patterns today at apqshop.com. Join the 1 Million Pillowcase Challenge in March for the Ultimate Pillowcase Competition. Gather a team and compete in one of two categories during the month of March to make pillowcases, earn points, and maybe be crowned the Ultimate Pillowcase Champion. The top three teams in each category will be awarded cash prizes. Even if you're not forming a team, you can watch all the action with weekly voting and daily prizes. Visit allpeoplequilt.com backslash pillowcase madness for more information. Quilt Along with us in 2017. Join our fourth annual Quilt Along by stitching a wall hanging, a throw, or a one-block table topper, or all three projects. Visit allpeoplequilt.com backslash quiltalong for a list of participating bloggers and designers and to see photos of what staff members and other readers are sewing. Share your photos on social media by using the hashtag APQQuiltalong to join the fun. Follow American Patchwork and Quilting on Pinterest. To find ideas for bags, baby projects, pillowcases, storage and organization, and more, visit Pinterest.com backslash APQ Magazine to join the fun. Welcome back to American Patchwork and Quilting's uh, talk show. I am Pat Sloan, and we are going to be chatting about our stuff for the next uh, segment here. Uh, Linda Tfold is with me from uh, the Kultal Goose, and Linda is coming each month, and we are doing sort of a more in-depth one theme for our talk. And so, Linda, how are you? I'm great, Pat. Nice to talk to you. How are you doing? I am I am doing fabulous. Um, I'm having my roof done. I told you that in advance, and it's like, oh, good. They did my section first, so now they're at the, <laughs> they're at the front of the house, and we can't hear them. It's like, oh, good. That's, That's a good thing. That can be pretty loud. Yeah. So we, you know, you uh, did an article, Linda, um, back in August of last year of 2016, sort of about thinking about um, – no, it was in August, but whatever it was. No, yeah, it was August, wasn't it? Yeah, it was last year, yeah. Yeah. So about just about thinking about our our stuff that we have and um, how, you know, we've both been quilting a long time. How long have you, do you even know how long you've been quilting? Like yes, forever? Yes, I do. 44 years. <gasps> like since you were born. <laughs> oh, bless you. No, actually, I was uh, 12. Um, oh, 12. <laughs> yeah, I made my first quilt when I was 12. 
Um, but yeah, and you know, in all those years, you tend to accumulate things. And uh, you know, the, the impetus of the article was I just was sitting in my sewing room one day and just feeling really overwhelmed. And I thought, wow, this I have you know, less time in front of me than I have behind me. And um, it really made me stop and think. Mm-hmm. You know, I've been uh, just a few years less than you quilting, you know, about probably 22 now or so. And we have we have stuff that we can't ever use. And what happens is there's stuff we don't want to use. I mean, that's where I yeah, am. Yeah, I when think you- that's where a lot of people get tripped up because, you know, we hang on to these things because somehow we're emotionally attached to them for a variety of reasons. And um, I felt that they were just kind of coming in on me. So I needed to take some really hard looks at what I was doing, how I was spending my creative time, and um, what I wanted to do with this stash because, good grief, I think I have to live to be at least 154 to use what I own right now. Mm-hmm. <laughs> So, well, we you know, we could set a, we could try that, you know. It's like <laughs> yeah. So you know, as I was as I was thinking about it, I came up with some questions to ask myself. And if you're mm-hmm. interested, I'd be happy to share them. Oh yes, because I think that those are really they're unique. They're you made me think a different way, Linda, with those questions. So so go for it. Well, the first one was, will it make someone else happy to see it? Okay, that's an obvious one. Um, the second one, and this is a big one for me because I need to be inspired as I'm working on something. So the second question was, will it make me feel good while creating it? Mm-hmm. Um, as you know, I do a lot of competition quilts, and I have for a number of years. So the, the question of a, a quilt that's in process that, you know, is a UFO or whatever other label you want to attach to it, mm-hmm. is it show worthy? Do I want to invest that kind of time in this quilt? Mm-hmm. You know, I think that's a really big one. Even if you're not going to enter it in a show for anybody else, do you want to spend your time on this particular project? Because if you don't, you know, it's not worth it. (laughs) Cut it loose. Yeah. Well, the other thing that is kind of a, this was a little bit of a paradigm shift for me. Um, The next question was, who else in my life needs a quilt made by me? Um, and I'm sure you can relate to this. For the first probably decade that I was a quilt maker, I gave every quilt away. Every wedding, every baby, every occasion, there was quilts flying out of my home like crazy. And, and one day I looked around my house and I said, oh, my gosh, I've been quilting, and I mean dedicated quilting, for 10 mm-hmm. years, and I do not own a bed-sized quilt. Mm. So I got really stingy with giving the quilts away, and you had to be, like, really on the A-list to get a quilt from me. (laughs) And now I've kind of gone the other way, but now I'm asking myself, okay, who can I bless with a quilt, you know? Mm -hmm. I... um, my cat, my longtime cat, Zach, he lived to be 18, he died, and um, the vet was just amazing. And I thought, you know what, I need to make my vet a quilt. Mm-hmm. You know, things like that that I would have not done in the past. So who else needs a quilt that, that I know? Um, mm-hmm. The next question is, what charity group that I support could use some of my quilts or charity group that would take pieces and parts, you know? Because sometimes mm-hmm. you try out a block or you start working with a with a fabric line and you're like, you know, I'm so not into this. This is not me. I'm not happy working on this. So my thing is, if it doesn't, you know, feed your soul creatively, then cut it loose, you know? Mm-hmm. Maybe someone else can benefit from it. 
You know, I have one like that, Linda. I want to just give an example because Mm -hmm. I went through a whole bunch of tops and there's one that I hand appliqued and at the time I loved it dearly, but its colorway was something I'm like, I cannot even envision going back to using personally. (laughs) Oh yeah, I know what you're talking about. Yeah. And so I'm like, okay, there's this gorgeous, I mean, I did some of my finest hand applique on it. Well, it's going to a friend who still, mm-hmm. who, who works in that colorway, who loves that colorway and will take it and finish it, you know, cause it needs quilted now. And well, I, the one thing that did happen once I, you know, got to that point was where I was asking myself these questions is it really made me take a hard look at how I'm spending my time and how that's feeding my creative soul and you know a lot of times we hang on to things because of that very story you just gave us we've we've invested so much time into it and we think Mm. oh I spent all those hours or you know whatever the the situation is and we don't allow ourselves to just cut it loose and that was the title of the article that I wrote was cutting it loose because Quite frankly, that isn't going to bring you joy. You don't enjoy those colors anymore. You're not, it doesn't go anywhere in your house. You know, either if you don't want to invest the time in finishing it, which is totally okay, mm-hmm. I bet you that anyone listening to this program probably has a friend that would be totally into those colors, you know? And so mm-hmm. gift it to them. Their next birthday, wrap it up like a kit, you know? <laughs> Gosh, you just need to quilt it. There you go. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> I even had backing and binding for that one. But, you know, that particular one, Linda, really sticks in my brain because it's just now released, but it had gone through many cycles of being kept. Yeah, I have several like that, and and I'm at the point now where I'm I'm getting brutal because I realize Mm -hmm. that, you know, I only have a certain amount of time. The other thing that a lot of quilters are doing, and and I would certainly encourage anyone to do this, there's so many ways you can get rid of this stuff and not take a big financial hit. There's a gazillion uh, quilt Facebook groups that are for, you know, you can sell things on there. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, you're certainly not going to get your investment back, but you might not feel quite as guilty cutting the loose, you know. Right. Um, And you have pennies to buy something you want more. So. Yeah, that you want to work on, that you really yeah. feel inspired to. And and I think what was happening with me, and I think a lot of people can probably relate to this, is that those things were getting in the way of what I really wanted to do. And I started to feel guilty because it was like, okay, I'm not working on this. I can't start a new thing that I really want. Mm. I'm excited about. I can't wait to get going on it because I got all this stuff hanging over my head. And once you get that out of your way, Oh boy. I mean, I'm I'm working on some stuff right now that's just really feeding my creative soul and I can't wait to get up in the morning to go in my studio and play around, you know, and it's like mm-hmm. you can't let that that those projects that you haven't finished for whatever reason. I mean, there's a reason you stopped. Let's face mm-hmm. it, there's a reason you stopped. Yeah. Um and you know, I, I say find some find a new home. <laughs> there's nothing wrong with that. Yeah. I have another another tip that I tell people when especially when I do my talk because sometimes uh we make a project and we like you said, you're so excited, you do a part of it and then all of a sudden your whole being is like, Hmm, okay, I'm done. I sort of I I got that out of my system. I made one block, I made four blocks. And so if you just take that that you're finished and quilt it and enjoy it 
you don't have to finish the rest of it. Yeah, and that's a great tip because I was making some little um, six-inch basket blocks for a quilt. It was going to be a, a queen-size quilt, and um, I don't know. I had like 87 of these little puppies done, and I was just over it. I don't feel like making another pink and brown block of any kind of fabric, and so now <laughs> it's a lovely little wall hanging, and you know what? It's adorable. Yeah, yeah. So it is... You know, sometimes you just, okay, we have, okay, Linda, we have like maybe enough for one or two more thoughts. Um, mm-hmm. What what do you do now with something that you come across? Like you come across a piece and you're like trying to make a decision. Are you quick about it now? I think um, having the having a little bit of the weight lifted off me because of what I've already cut loose, it's made mm-hmm. me bolder. It's made me say, mm-hmm. you know what? I really am not interested in this anymore. And there's so many charity groups. There's so many ways you can feel good about getting that out of your life that I say just be bold. Go for it. Yeah. You know? Do you ha- do you have a lot of space in, in your in your my, home and in your my studio? My sewing room is pretty small. My studio, my, yeah. my long arm, but it's pretty much taken up by my long arm. But my sewing mm-hmm. room is pretty small. It's like 10 by 12. So mm-hmm. I have to be very... Um, judicious with the space that I have. Um, so I don't have a lot of storage space for things, although I managed to cram a lot in there, I have to be honest. Right. But <laughs> I, I'm looking to, you know, when you have a certain amount of area for your fabric storage and there's no way you could put all that you own in there, it's time to rethink what you're doing. And that's kind of the point of where I'm at. So. Yeah, that's I, I'm at that same spot right now. Almost all fabric I own is in my studio space there's a little tiny bit like some pieces i picked up from china you know that but pretty much you know everything that i might use is in here and i think that really helps yeah i'm i'm not quite that um good pat to be honest with you if you come and stay at my house for longer than a couple of days where you're going to actually live out of your suitcase i'm going to have to move some stuff out of the closet in the guest room i gotta be honest (laughs) It's called, we well, call that closet the quilt annex. <laughs> well, there are quilts that take up lots of space. This is just fabric. so uh. You know, that's the other part of this, too, because, you know, if you've been working on things as long as you and I have, mm-hmm. I have hundreds of quilts. You know, I'm okay. starting to divest myself of them. I'm giving them to charity organizations to auction them off. I just yeah. gave one to the museum here in town. Um, you know, I, I'm... I'm looking to clear some of this stuff out, and, and I'm not feeling the least bit guilty out of it because it gave me pleasure when I made it, and you know what? Yeah. Someone else is going to get some pleasure out of it too. Well, thank you, Linda. We may have to talk about the quilts next time. All right. Sounds good, hon. Take care. Uh-huh. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Boost your sewing skills from start to finish with daily tips from the editors of American Patchwork and Quilting. Visit tips.allpeoplequilt.com for inspiration. This quilting tip brought to you by Moda Fabrics. Visit modafabrics.com or your local quilt shop to see the latest fabric collections. Three-ring binders are the perfect storage method for fabric panels. Simply fold each panel into a page protector and insert into the binder. They're easy to view and keep the panels easily accessible. Get two full years of American Patchwork and Quilting delivered right to your door for the price of one. That's a full year free. Every issue is packed with never-before-seen projects from top designers, detailed photography, complete materials lists, 
and easy-to-use pull-out patterns and quilting diagrams. Subscribe today at allpeoplequilt.com. Take an ultimate shop-hop tour of 11 top quilt shops. You'll find them all in the current issue of Quilt Sampler, available now at your local quilt shop or on newsstands. Welcome back to American Patchwork and Quilting's talk show. Uh, I'm Pat Sloan, and I am more than delighted, very, very delighted, to be able to talk for the rest of the show with Gwen Marston. She has been uh, making quilts for a little while. We should have had her on on the earlier to find out. We'll find out how many years. Uh, but she's an inspiration to many of us, me included, and I'm going to sort of be able to walk through uh, the work that Gwen's done with Gwen. Hey, Gwen, how are you? Uh, good, Pat. How are you? I'm very excited to talk to you. Um, <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> I know we've been emailing back and forth. We're new best friends. So it's, uh, it's all good, right? It's all good. Absolutely. So, Gwen, how long have you been making quilts? Uh, mid the mid seventies. Yeah, did uh, you know what made you really interested in in learning to quilt? Well, uh, uh, I was always really interested in sewing, so I did all kinds of needlework. Everything that came down the pike, I was on it, and mm-hmm. uh, I went to an exhibit and in my hometown at. A, a art museum and there was a big a collection of antique quilts there that uh, just took my uh, breath away and it was almost like the heavens opened and uh, God said thou shalt quilt and I said okay fine uh, <laughs> and uh, you know really it was yeah. it was just like oh God I want to do that more than anything so um, I set out to try to learn how to do that you know, in the 70s, there wasn't as many options as there are now to learn. What, what, how did you find somebody to teach you? Well, you're absolutely right. There was no quilt guilds. There were nothing. And uh, <clears throat> so I had a, quite a few years of fumbling about making quite real funny things, uh, none of which uh, really would pass the muster at all. <laughs> And I uh, really didn't then either, but I had the occasion to go to um, out to Oregon, um, and I spent a year there, and I ran into a group of uh, 80-year-old Mennonite women, and uh, they kind of took me on for the year, and they, you know, had this, like, at least 200 years a straight, unbroken line of quilting. So by the time I ran into them, um, they figured a few things out. Mm-hmm. And, and were they, they doing all hand quilting, the hand piecing, hand quilting? Not hand piecing, no. Oh, okay. Mm-hmm. No, they weren't. Uh, actually, the Mennonites and the uh, Amish gave that up as soon as the sewing machine showed up, the, the piecing <laughs> of it. So Smart no, they women. Didn't, but they hand quilted, mm-hmm. and um, so they, you know, by the time I left there, I was, I had the basics down and a real smart, easy ways to do things. And I went to 
back to Flint, Michigan, and I ran into Mary Schaefer, who's what was a very proficient quilter and really at her apex of her career. And uh, she took me on, adopted me, uh, where the Mennonites left off. And so that's kind of what got me going. You know, you, you've you said um, many times, many places, how, you know, antique quilts are your sort of muse, your inspiration. Uh, are they still, I mean, how do you, how do they kind of play into what you do? Well, they've, um, they're the backbone of everything I still do, frankly. Mm-hmm. Um, so... What I learned from them, uh, Mary Schaefer had a huge collection and she, of mm-hmm. antique quilts, really good ones, and she shared those with me. And so what I saw in them uh, has colored the way I work now. Uh, even though I work in different styles, I'm still using those basic techniques and still liking the concepts that I saw in old quilts, which were always an element of surprise. It was always something tucked in there that you didn't expect. Mm-hmm. And uh, a lot of freedom, a lot of movement. Uh, since they weren't working with patterns, there wasn't any repetition. And mm-hmm. uh, so, and frankly, a lot of it was kind of suited me as a less is more girl in that, you know, they were using simple patterns for the most part, like four patch, nine patch, shoe flight, wild goose chase, all of those. So mm-hmm. I still kind of, you see that in my work. I I also love antique quilts. I mean, they're just, I don't know. And I also think about the people who made them. Do you ever do that? Oh my gosh, yes. The one of the first things I loved about becoming a quilt maker maker was that oh look at me. Now I'm an artist in a long line of women who were artists. Mm-hmm. So being you know kind of continuing that uh and making me feel like I'm part of that tribe has always been really a great thing for me. Yeah. I I just, you know, and I wish I could know more of the people who actually made the antique quilts. I think that would be really neat. You know, we need a little time machine, Gwen, so we could go yeah, back. Yeah, we do. But you can, <laughs> you know, you can find out a little bit about them just from looking at their quilts and seeing how mm-hmm. they were making them. Mm-hmm. True, I think. Mm-hmm. Now, I want to just, I have to share with you just my personal, my personal Gwen story. Does everybody who meets you have a personal Gwen story? I know if we know your work we almost always have like seeked you out to I think take a workshop with you Um, but you know I had when I was a baby quilter I discovered you you were writing articles Um, I'd seen some uh, um, like video that you had done and you know I would anytime I would see your stuff I was like you know really enthralled and then you came to my guild more than once. I'm in Northern Virginia, and uh, you've probably been here, I'm sure, half a dozen times. But mm-hmm. the one time, Gwen, that, that you came that really you, – you gave me like this um, ticket, I guess you could call it, right? Because, mm-hmm. yeah, the class was something about designing your own applique. 
-hmm. and uh, your applique and your flowers and your shapes and everything. I just loved all that. And so in the class, whatever you did, however we did it, that was sort of my ticket that opened up for me to draw my own shapes because I, I learned, I sort of learned your how you looked at them, and then I was able to say, okay, I can do something similar in my own, you know, that works for me. So that is my, that is my Gwen story. Uh, well, you know what, I, the message I get a lot from people, probably more than anything, is that I gave them permission to do their own work. Ah, yeah. So, yeah. you know, because we're all kind of brought up, uh, to think that, well, you need a pattern. And it's like, well, uh, looking at the antique quilts, it was pretty sure to me that they weren't using patterns. <laughs> right. And, you know, and how hard is it to figure out a four-patch or mm -hmm. a nine-patch? And uh, looking at the applique pat mm -hmm. pattern quilts, it was the same thing. I was like, they're using simple shapes. And they weren't all regular. And uh, so I, when I started doing applique, I tried really hard to figure out how to do that and get that, that look in my own mm -hmm. work. And so, yes, I loved teaching uh, yeah. people to do that. Yeah, it was really, really fun because we, I think we were cutting shapes just sort of, you know, just take, pick up the piece of fabric and cut a shape. And then you, we had, you know, the flannel on the wall and then we just stuck it up there and it was like, well, I can do this. You uh -huh, know, this. Right. Mm -hmm. And we were cutting also from folded, uh, what they used to do back in the day was fold fabric and cut it. And so I mm. was showing you how to do that. I'm sure with folded tape, we we're doing it with paper. Ah, yeah, uh, probably. First. It was a while mm -hmm. ago. <laughs> mm -hmm. my, my memory's fuzzy. It was just sort of like, <laughs> it was sort of like, it was so much fun. That was really what it was. It was like, yeah. it was so Good. much fun. When, Gwen, you're, a lot of your work, I'm going to talk about applique just a little bit because that's sort of my base love um, and how I discovered your work. But you do a lot of asymmetry, which is something that I am, I am about as, you know, I don't do any symmetry unless I really have to. You know, if I could do everything, you know, asymmetrical, I would be, you know, so happy. When you started doing asymmetrical work, what what kind of reception did that get? Well, you know what? The good thing is that quilters are really polite, and they never said they hated it. <laughs> and uh, so uh, I don't know, but I uh, I, I think people – a lot of people found it kind of refreshing mm -hmm. uh, because if I I know quilters who uh, quite a number of quilters who told me if they hadn't finally bumped into me they would have quit making quilts because they got tired of worrying about all the precision mm -hmm. that seemed to be you know required <laughs> required right you know uh -huh. even your even your patchwork, Gwen, I'm, I'm looking at, we're going to talk a little bit, uh, like in the last segment here about your book, A Common Thread, but mm -hmm. I'm looking at the quilt that's a four-patch medallion that you did in 1991, where mm -hmm. you have like, it's, it's pretty symmetrical, even though there's, you know, some color blocking, but then at the bottom, you just have a, a, a stripe in the border, like a that's not mirrored anywhere else. When you were making quilts and when you make quilts like that, 
what did you have a thought about why you would put it there? I'm just curious. Well, uh, 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 I got that idea from looking at antique quilts. And, uh, you know, when I came along, the standard was that borders should be the same on all four sides. Mm -hmm. And then, but looking at antique quilts, there were a lot that weren't that way at all. And uh, then sometimes you'd see quilts that just had, you know, like the quilt you're looking at has a, not only a wider border, but it's got an, a, a red inset in there. Mm-hmm. And so I, you see that in antique quilts. And I used to always imagine that uh, somebody got it done and put it on the bed and said, Mabel, it's not long enough. And they just sewed on another strip. I don't know. But yeah. <laughs> because I, I wasn't that sounds, there. sounds reasonable to me. That's like, oh, it's not quite long enough. Let's just fix this. Uh huh. Like, there you go. Right, because it's all real people. You know, they're not doing it for show. It's uh, to use or. Um, so, Gwen, at your styles has um, like, you know, changed over the years as you move, you move from one type of quilt making to another type of quilt making. Um, when you were doing a lot of applique and then sort of transitioned to a little bit different style, what sort of moved you to experiment with a, with something that wasn't applique? Well, I think my, well, for one thing, let me say that when you make quilts for 40 years, if you're still doing what you did on day one, there's a problem, <laughs> <laughs> you know. So right. for someone who loves making quilts, the, the more I made the more and the more I saw and the more I studied, the wider my interests became. Mm-hmm. So be, first I started out piecing and piecing traditional work and then um, – and trying even early on to do it without patterns and to uh, model, kind of model the antique quilts. And um, then I thought to myself, I can remember just distinctly thinking, golly, if I want to call myself a quilt maker, I should know how to applique, but ooh, that looks too hard. Yeah. And um, finally, I got up the courage. I thought, well, I've got to do this. I really need to learn how to do this. So I had Mary Schaefer in my corner, and yeah. as you know, and yeah. I talked to her about it. And Say so, Gwen, we need to take a little break. So what we're going to do is we're going to take a little break, and then we're going to come back. So hold that thought, okay? Okay. <laughs> Looking for fresh, simple, and fun projects and ideas? Check out the current issue of Quilts and More magazine at your local quilt shop or on newsstands. Join American Patchwork and Quilting on Facebook for daily quilting inspiration, tips, giveaways, and more. Find us at facebook.com backslash APQ magazine. This quilting tip brought to you by Moda Fabrics. Visit modafabrics.com or your local quilt shop to see the latest fabric collections. An empty toilet paper roll makes it easy to store prepared binding. When you're ready to use, simply slip the roll onto the cone thread holder on your sewing machine to unroll your binding easily. See what other quilters are up to on the American Patchwork and Quilting page on Facebook. 
Simply go to Facebook.com and search for APQ Magazine. Welcome back to American Patrick and Quilting's talk show. I'm talking to Gwen Marston. And Gwen, when you wanted to learn applique, you went to your go-to resource, Mary Schaefer. What did, what did she tell you? Well, uh, we decided we'd just make a block. And she said to choose a simple one and cut mm-hmm. the shapes out and then come see her. So I did that, and I went out, and uh, I, we sat on the couch next to each other, and she showed me how to needle turn. And um, she would dem- demonstrate it, and then I would try it, and then she'd show me, you know, how to how to uh, make points and so forth. So, uh, and that was about oh, probably thirty five, forty minutes. We talked about applicating, and I went home and finished the block. And a week later, I brought it back and gave it to her, and she held it in her hands, and she looked at the top. She looked it all over. Then she turned it over and looked at the back all over. And then she handed it back to me and said, make the stitches a little bit smaller. Done. That was my lesson. (laughs) And And off uh, you went. (laughs) So I learned how to needle turn and my earlier you know you get better with Mm -hmm. practice oh yeah so when I ended up being on the road and teaching applique I purposely brought along some big full-size appliques that I'd made earlier and uh, that looked terrific from you know three feet away but I get the students up close uh, just to say look 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 at this See, you can see my stitches here. This is me on, you know, when I was learning and kind of Mm -hmm. perfecting this. Uh, And uh, so this is your lesson today. Just know it's going to take you a while. Don't give up. You know, it just comes with uh, continued sewing. You know, at one point you were doing... A lot of um, liberated quilt making. That is, you know, you've written a couple books. The title is, you know, in there for that. And it really um, turned a lot of people around, like you said earlier. So, you know, that made them think, yeah, I can make quilts because there's this mm-hmm. other way to make quilts. Mm-hmm. Uh, when, you know, when people make quilts like that now, they often call that style improvisational. Mm-hmm. Um do you, do you relate the two in your own mind, like liberated and improvisational? Do they seem the same, or are they kind of different? Uh, no, they are the same. Uh, in mm. fact, um, when I first started figuring it out, I would call it a number of different things, and, and one of them was <laughs> improvisational or intuitive or free mm-hmm. piecing mm-hmm. or free form. I had all of those I would. And then when I wrote that first book, I thought, i got to think of which, which one's it going to be. And I, ch- I just made up a new word because that's the way it made me feel. Mm-hmm. Oh, you know, that's, that is a great thing. That's the way it made you feel because mm-hmm. – yeah, liberated, and it's it has shown so many people that it's fun. It's just fun to do. Mm-hmm. Yes, it is, and it's really creative, uh, and it's a way to make quilts that uh, don't look like anybody else's. So you're, well, you're doing such original work that you couldn't copy yourself. Right. <laughs> which is nice. It is nice. <laughs> so I want to just uh, – 
talk a bit about your latest book, uh, which is called A Common Thread, um, mm-hmm. where you curated a lot of your quilts in here to show us um, – uh, sort of how you you know the quilts you've made, uh, they're grouped into mm, topics per se. You know how did you think about which ones to put in? Because that's you know it's a you've done a lot of quilts. Mm-hmm. Well, I have, and uh, when I had the opportunity to do that book and uh, uh, being a retrospective and everything, uh, it was like okay, oh God, what are you going to show here? <laughs> Uh, anyway, Pressure. it didn't take me it, it didn't take me any time at all to figure that out because there's clear little periods. You know, I started out as a piecer, and um, then I did applique, and uh, was moving along in that direction, and then uh, kind of switching back and forth and uh, having a pretty good time, and then I accidentally. Uh, discovered that I could make blocks without any patterns. Mm-hmm. And uh, I was just sitting at the sewing machine uh, looking at an old kind of crazy quilt, looking mm-hmm. at the blocks and going, I think I could make something like that, and uh, playing around with that. And I sewed a triangle onto this little construct- constructed piece I was working on. And uh, made it look like a house. So that was uh-huh. like, bingo, I think I could make houses with no patterns. <laughs> and then if I could do that, I could certainly do other things. So that uh-huh. got me going on the liberated work. Mm-hmm. And uh, I kept doing the other, but I ended up doing a lot of liberated quilt making and a lot of teaching uh, mm-hmm. just because. I never quit doing applique, mm-hmm. but I got asked once the liberated stuff got out. Everybody wanted me to teach that. Right, right. So I yeah, was still it was... doing the other work just on my, and you know, for myself at home. For but yourself. I was also hot and heavy to, into that. And then I did string quilts. And yeah, how, uh, yeah. Can you tell me, Gwen? Like, how do you think about string quilts being different than your liberated? Because in some ways, they're still random. Oh, they are. And the mm-hmm. way I do them, it's, uh, I'm not doing foundation piecing. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I came up with a – I just found that laborious. <laughs> uh, so I came up with a way where I didn't have to uh, use that. But, no, you know, I've always liked scrappy quilts mm-hmm. and, and quilts uh, – they're real, real free form, and mm-hmm. uh, had a lot of energy in them. So, and I love string quilts because they um, originally, you know, they were made by people of few means, mm-hmm. and uh, who were just doing the best they could with uh, pretty worn out stuff and leftovers and. Then what happened was that because that they were just sewing it together any way they could, those early string quilts are just incredible. Every one of them. I mean, they're just really something. And uh, it, it, to Do me, you own it, any of them? 
Have you yes, bought I do. some? And I have books. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. And so uh to me that that was like a huge look at those girls go. It was like yeah. the ones that didn't have any money down there. Yeah. Uh, a lot in the South, just so, doing the best they could. And the, the quilts were, I well, I think kind of the first art quilts. Mm-hmm. Right, right. They, they're very graphic. They have a lot of appeal across all kinds of people when they mm-hmm. see them. Mm-hmm. People... So I just loved it that the, that the least of these rose right to the top anyway in my eyes. They did. Yeah. So... I had fun doing, working on uh, making string quilts. So, well, in your book, on you know, with with sort of the retrospect of going through, you know, a lot of your pieces, uh, you end up with these what look now as very modern mm-hmm. quilts. You know, I think most people who like modern quilts would look at them, and they're, you know, done in the last. What probably ten years that group, and they're all solids, pretty much. Mm-hmm. Oh, let me look. I'm looking. Uh, yes. <laughs> Whether the medallions or the medallions, I don't know. You know. Um, well, you know, I would say maybe ten or fifteen years. I don't know here, but um, well, I've always worked with solids, and yeah, so. Yeah. From the very beginning, I did my second and third quilt were, mm-hmm. were solid. So, I, you know, I, I'm, I like I like fabric like everyone else. So I buy prints too, but I've always worked with solids. And I think uh, when I discovered Amish quilts, then you know I was completely sold on them. So I think this, these quilts are done mostly in solids. All of this and they, they also show work. off your hand quilting so nicely, the solids. Yes, it does. That's one of the great things about solids, that it does. And um, the other thing about solids, working in solids, is that to me they've always seemed a little bit more painterly than prints. If for no other reason than uh, they come in, uh, you know, a, a paint does, mm-hmm. comes in solids. It doesn't come in Aunt Gracie. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I'd like you know. a can of Aunt Gracie. That's right. Thirties, <laughs> a can so, of thirties pink. <laughs> yeah, and I think it's some. I feel like uh, oftentimes solids help me to make an artful quilt, a more artful mm-hmm. quilt, because the line delineation between two pieces of fabric is clearly seen when you're. Um, working in solids and if you are doing prints sometimes it's kind of blurred mm-hmm. so, so when i when i have about we have about two minutes tell okay. me what you're working on now oh i'm working in solids and okay. making ever more minimal pieces ah so you, i are uh, you working in I, tiny pieces no 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 i'm not working on larger pieces. Also, when you look at these quilts, you can see my, you can see sawtooth and triangles and all the elements that I learned about on day one, really. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. It, I, I pretty much have followed the same little artistic ideas that I started out with. 
it is just a fabulous book. I mean, I love the close-ups because <laughs> your stitches are so wonderful. Did that freak you out doing the close-ups of your stitches? Uh, no, I'm proud of them. <laughs> oh, good. <laughs> uh, you know what? I have to say that Martin Gale uh, did the photography, and uh, they uh, I chose the quilts and uh, and the categories, but they put the book together, and it was their ideas to show the quilt on one page and the close-ups on the other, and. Uh, yeah. The, you know, I agree with you. The color is really terrific, and the quality of the paper. They did a wonderful job. It is a gorgeous book, uh, and your quilts are gorgeous. And I'm so thankful to be able to talk to you this afternoon. It was fun. It was a lot yes. of fun. <laughs> and so if anybody sees Gwen roaming around in the quilt world, go up and tell her your Gwen light bulb moment, right? Yeah, that'd be lovely. I do hear those. <laughs> Oh, thank you, Gwen. Uh, you're welcome. All my best, Pat. This is American Patchwork and Quilting's talk show uh, brought to you by Moda Fabrics. I want you to tell you to go out to the Moda Bake Shop and go up in their search box and just type the word heart since we're in February and you want to find some heart-based projects. There's a whole lot of them out there. And visit allpeoplequilt.com, and you can do the same. Just put heart or valentine in the search box. Uh, their current issue has hearts and keys, which is um, just fantastic. Uh, out on their Facebook page, they're doing a whole lot of fun uh, sew-alongs for the new um, sew-along project, which is block-based and string-based, so you can use some of Gwen's techniques and and make up the quilt. And I'm doing the one that's the great big blocks. I should have done it in solids in, in Gwen's honor, but I didn't. Mine has some prints. So this is Pat Sloan. You can visit me at patsloan.com, and we will see you next time. to visit allpeoplequilt.com for more information on topics from today's show, as well as how-to videos, free printable patterns, and additional tips and techniques. Thanks for listening.